0: Welcome to another edition of One Bottle at a Time. I'm your host, Ronald Dorsey, and today we are joined by Dimitri Manasakos of Milos Wine Bar and Restaurant, located in the wonderful new Hudson Yards in New York City. Enjoy the program. Uh,
1: So, uh, I'm a manager over here at the Seattle Milos, Hudson Yards, and also the Milos Wine Bar. Uh, Milos, I joined the company uh, back in 2019, Um, This has been like, you know, I I started in hospitality in New York City back in 2013. Wow, okay. Wonderful, Um, wonderful. But as I like to say, with you know both this passion of mine, like wine and hospitality, has been with me like ever since I was a kid. Wonderful. Um, my father used to have like these rooms to let, and he put me to work over there, and I was just like you know uh, cleaning uh, small rooms, taking right. people in, um, moving forward. I uh, you know I worked uh, as a hospitality uh, person for one of the. Athens Greek Film Festival. Okay, wonderful. So sure. this was in
0: Athens. You grew in up. You grew up. You grew up in the city. Athens? Yeah, I grew okay. up in
1: the city, and my my father's rooms to live were back mm-hmm. in uh, Crete, in the island of Crete, and uh, we um, we had like uh, a lot of um, you know hospitality has always been around. I worked like in college in hospitality, mm-hmm. and I always thought like you know that. This is not for me. I was like looking (laughs) to do like marketing and all these things, Mm. and uh, you know I came here in the United States. I started advertising, and I started working at an advertising company here in New York City. And then you know I, I was laid off uh, because of like the account restructuring, and after that I was just like okay, let me find a job in hospitality. Right. Uh, But with zero new york city experience which is like pretty much prohibited right uh i found myself in this like small greek restaurant in tribeca called the greek mm. and over there the idea was we were only going to do greek wines back in 2013 doing only greek wines was like pretty much like nobody was doing it right, right. um nobody was doing only greek wines like to open up a restaurant in tribeca With only Greek wines, instead, you know. Mm -hmm. So I went with the whole idea, and that whole idea kind of like you know fueled me and made me more passionate of like researching. So every every month I was like researching new wines, uh, finding like new wines that taste like better and better, and looking more into indigenous grape varieties. Mm -hmm. I think that at that time was the cusp of uh, Greek wine like moving from. International grape varieties into indigenous grape varieties. Mm-hmm. Uh, the critical mass of like producers trying to do something with indigenous grape varieties was at that time, and they were more and more coming with a, a really interesting examples of uh, indigenous grape varieties.
0: So, give us an example of some of the more popular uh, so,
1: indigenous varietals from Greece, right? the most popular indigenous grape variety so number the number one variety is uh, acetico okay. that everybody knows from okay. the island of santorini mm-hmm. uh, now Assyrtiko has been planted and grown in pretty much all over greece in very interesting like uh, areas uh, such as attica outside of athens um, and the all pretty much all the islands uh, but also right now it's Planted in South Africa, mm. in California, Australia, wow. uh, and there's been a planting in Italy mm. that's very interesting to see. Acetico is like one of these Greek grape varieties that make that are uniquely Greek. Mm. Um, you try to explain, oh, you know, acetico is like Sauvignon Blanc, acetico uh, is like Sardinet. In this way, or maybe it's like a Muscade. Right. Like everybody tries to find like that kind of like parallel. Mm. But at the end of the day, you kind of like go back and try to examine all your assumptions and all your hypotheses for Assyrtiko and say, this is like that, it's like that. But it's just like, oh, it's, right. it's, it's, just, it's a It's unlike anything It's its own else. character. It's its, its own it's thing. It's unlike anything right, else. Right. And I think like, you know, moving forward, we're going to see more and more acetico creating like its own category mm-hmm. and it's going to be like the one of the most important grape varieties moving forward across the world i believe i personally believe wonderful um other i i like to say that they're the founder of grape, grape varieties it is Assythico, uh Malagusia, Moschofilero white and xinomaurena georgitiko the, red, the reds wonderful. wonderful. i believe the way you can like you know explore Greek wine is by, you know, honing into these five Greek grape varieties and then from that point forward kind of like understanding all the rest. Mm. Uh, you can understand all the rest based on like, you know, the the idea of where where that wine comes from and, uh, you know, for example, Moschofilero and Aioritico, they're from the Peloponnese, mm. right, from the southern part of Greece and these are grape varieties that are, you know, seminal and can create like, you know, a, a a framework of understanding mm. uh, that can get people into Greek wine. Right.
0: So now Greece, the terroir, you know, let's talk a bit about, you know, the terroir. I, I believe they have some, Some. do they have some active, active volcanoes on Greece or not anymore? So or is it, you know, the, the history of that? volcano
1: is not active anymore. Uh, there has been some activity in the past like uh, 100 years but nothing like major right. uh, there's no danger that's why all the tourists are there there's right. no problem <laughs> uh, we're on the clear with that uh, but you have to consider this right uh, Greece is at the crossroads so essentially Greece is uh, at the crossroads of Asia Europe and Africa mm-hmm. so uh, and then encircled by the Mediterranean, which is like a, an amazing aspect. Uh, so Greece was formed by, um, all these like, uh, tectonic plates coming together. The African mm. and the European plate. And mm. when they came together, they created like all these like small little islands, uh, Greece is they come to almost like 2000 islands. Wow. Um, mm. 200 of them are inhabited uh, are inhabited. Mm. And uh, just to kind of like give like a little bit of uh, perspective, Greece is the third most mountainous country in Europe, Mm. and uh, the coastline of Greece is as much as the coastline of Africa. Wow. (laughs) Uh, So... what we're talking about is like we're talking about like a very diverse environment mm. uh you have like the big mountain range of Pindus that essentially spreads out from all the way from the alps like it's a continuation of the alps mm. uh and then you also have like the the mediterranean reach that kind of like runs across the mediterranean mm. so if you see uh, in the mediterranean you have cyprus on the one you have Crete, you have sicily you have sardinia and you have corsica Hmm. So all these like islands form like this very interesting geological pattern uh, that is unlike anything else. Mm -hmm. Uh, Crete specifically where I grew up is one of the most beautiful islands. Uh, Very large island, almost uh, uh, autonomous because it has like all this biodiversity and it has like all these different like terroirs that is magnificent. Two big mountains over there are essentially creating like uh this vacuum of air mm. that cools down the grapes and brings us about like some magnificent white wines mm. um and this is also one of the other grape varieties that i'm really fond of from the island of uh, crete is vidiano okay wonderful um yeah and then you know moving all the islands uh, have like their own specific like you know their own specific terroir Santorini has the volcano, uh, on the west Kefalonia has, uh, this uh, great limestone mountain. Uh, you have mountains all over Greece, uh, kind of like doting the area and creating mm-hmm. like these beautiful microclimates, uh, f- all the way from the north that you have like a very cold area, uh, all the way down to the south and Crete where you have like this uh, bu- great mountains, The that you know, even though they're so uh, low and uh, so close to Africa, mm. they create like this, uh, almost a continental um, environment for grapes to grow. Mm, wonderful, wonderful.
0: So now the history, you know, Greece has a, a very, uh, very old and storied history. So comparing Greek wines and the history of, let's say viniculture in Greece compared to, let's say France or, you know, Spain or Italy, where does Greek, Greece fit in into that category, So, would you say? Where, where do they fit in?
1: Greece uh, didn't, didn't come up with wine. Right. But what Greece came up with is um, wine culture. Okay. Right? Let's like, okay. not forget, Symposium was kind of like came up in Greece. Right. Came up in Greece. Uh, the the act of gathering together And you know uh, Breaking bread And you know Finding um, uh, Finding common ground over wine And the appreciation of wine Was such an integral part of the ancient Greek culture You can find it everywhere You can find it in, like, writing, you can, you know, uh, how you drank your wine kind of, like, you know, separated you from, like, you know, being civilized versus not civilized Mm. Uh, If you were drinking diluted wine, uh, you were civilized. If you were drinking, like, just straight up (laughs) wine, which back in the day was, like, much more alcoholic and much more potent, you were not that civilized. Um, so there was a lot of culture behind it, right. uh, and you know, it inspired like a lot of writers and how they wrote, uh, there was like a God of wine, mm. uh, the, the ancient Athenians mm. when they were, you know, when they were becoming citizens, they were vo- they, they were promising to protect the land that can produce wine, mm. bread and olive oil. Mm. (laughs) So that was like, you know, that was the borders of Athens. As long as we can produce these three these three products, then that's our culture and this is who we are. Mm. So therefore wine was integral. And if you have like such an integral and if wine plays such an integral part, then you you have like a culture that kind of like arises from that and makes it so important that wherever you go, you have wine. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, Marseille, uh, the, it was an ancient Greek colony and the wine was transported from Marseille, uh, wine was transported in Italy mm-hmm. through the colonies of the ancient Greeks. And therefore now you can find like a lot of Italian wines that have like an, that have like a direct reference to Greece. Mm-hmm. So for example, Greco de Turfo, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. Wow. Well, okay. Their names signify that they come from greece right, right uh but what's most important is this right like looking you know the ancient culture is like one really important thing but like mm. moving forward to today is the fact that uh you create such a big biodiversity mm. and that's why greece is home to so many indigenous great varieties mm. so by cultivating wine from all these years and creating like the the making such an integral part of the culture then wine created like so many different greek varieties right. um again we'll go back to the island of crete and uh, the the island of crete is like you know home to eight indigenous greek varieties wow just by itself mm-hmm. uh, and we're talking about like the commercially produced mm-hmm. we're not talking about like the small productions of like little grape varieties and you know um, we as, as we were talking on the Cypress tasting uh, a couple of uh, weeks ago right. um, we have like grape varieties that are coming up like every year or like I didn't know I didn't even know them <laughs> a year ago to right. commercially produced. Wow. Uh, so, um, that, you know, kind of like connecting back into the history and, you know, talking about Italy and France and all these things. Uh, the history of Greece is more of like a common, common people's wine. Right, right. It's a wine that, you know, create, has like a bond with a person. Mm. And with the everyday person. it's It's a democratic wine. Whereas, like, France and Italy, uh, and today the United States, uh, wine has been fueled by the nobility. Right, 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 right. (laughs) The the fact that we know French wine and that we know, you know, Italian wine, like, you know, the the super expensive, like, items, is because the nobility was asking for them. Right, right second so f to pop like yeah. the, the the pope asked right, right. <laughs> so uh whereas like on the one hand we have france and italy and the united states being fueled by a certain nobility and an upper class that asks for like a very uh a very expensive wine right. to satisfy the, the taste and you know and make it like you know fancy right what we're talking about Chris, <laughs> is like we're talking about like an everyday experience in an everyday culture, right? I got you, right? right? right. Uh, it's all about, and you go to places like small islands, right? Like you go to uh, the small island of Tinos, and you have like the the wine from the island of Tinos, and it's just like a whole different experience from the island that is right next to it, uh, <laughs> the island of Naxos or the island of Andros. Right. Okay. Uh, the terroir itself kind of like speaks for speaks for itself even though it's like right next to it right right. Uh, (laughs) and uh, you know us Greeks like you know we're like very uh, um, very uh, proud of like where we come from Hmm. so I was just thinking you know coming up like to talk about Greek wine the island of Thinos going back there like they're so proud of like even their potatoes that they taste like different <laughs> from the potatoes that even, you can find like anywhere even else. As well. Well, amazing. So this wine culture is embedded into the DNA of a community. Right, right. Rather than right. A, a globalized system. Right. And what we're trying over here to do, we're taking advantage of globalization, trying to show like the beauties of like, you know, small little segments of like Greek wine. Mm. Uh, so, therefore, you know, talking about, like, Miller's Wine Bar, you come over here, and you, you find wines that you don't even find, like, you know, in Athens, Greece. Right, right. right. Very, um, very unique. Very unique. Right, right, very right. small productions right. that, you know, we were trying to say that here's something that is very unique, something very that's very interesting, something right. that is tied with today, mm. and something that can tie you with the people that are back there. Right, wonderful, wonderful.
0: So now, one of the questions we like to ask on here at uh, One Bottle at a Time is, what was that first wine that you had that, that knocked your socks off? What was the first wine you had that kind of blew you away and, I mean, and yeah. made you a wine lover?
1: Uh, uh, <laughs> so, it was my uh, godfather's wine. Okay. My godfather had a small, like, little estate, and the wine that I had, like, when I was like... 10 years old right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's not uh, you know it's not uncommon that you know you, you taste wine you you kind of like you know partake in like you know the, the luncheons that you you have like right. as a family right more so
0: European culture yeah. that's, that's a part of it right it's uh, more, more of a, like you say it's more of a I wouldn't say family that, libations so to yeah,
1: speak I wouldn't right, say right. that you know it knocked my socks off but right. like it kind of like turned me on to the idea that Look at this. This is such a beautiful product. Right. right. It wasn't... It was... By no means it was like anything amazing. Or it was anything great. Right. But I still remember going into that small estate and crushing grapes Mm. with my family. Mm. Just going there, like crushing the grapes and being all together and eating like fresh almonds from the almond trees. Mm. And the olives, they were all over the place. Mm. And just making wine was like something so so all together coming together mm. um, among uh, other wines that I've had in my life and kind of like you know made me feel like this is something uh, I still uh remember uh when I was in, when I lived in Bordeaux for six months back in 2007 mm. and um, I don't remember exactly the wine but I just remember like the occasion mm. uh, I remember like you know just Walking along the the river And picking up oysters From like the farmer's market yeah. Picking up a bottle of wine Just enjoying it Right next to the river Right, right. Um, So I don't want to say Like you know That there is like a wine That is like you know Kind of like you know Changed my world mm-hmm. But um, Even though there are it's, it's the experience It's the experience Right And that's the
0: essence Of one bottle at a time You know it, I, I, Me personally I think Wine tasting Is something that A lot of times People look at You know Different uh, varieties Different You know Flavors In a sitting Maybe from different bottles You know I like to approach it One bottle at a time I really think That's one of the best ways To, to, to enjoy a wine And one of the best ways To learn about wine You know Basically You know Trying one bottle at a time So so much of it is, like you said, the experience, you know, the social fabric of being with friends, being with family, and really uh, enjoying the
1: wine in, in just, that way. And just the mere fact that you're, like, you know, for example, for me, like, you know, the the flavors that come with it and then kind of, like, connect that wine. Right. Is, it's magnificent. Right, right. Exactly. Like, the fact that I was drinking a white Bordeaux out there with fresh oysters, like, <laughs> Not even like being in a restaurant or something like that like, it was just unique, right? The experience, uh, right? That's it, what it's all about. It's just amazing. Uh, mm. Another wine, you know what? Like I'll I'll talk about one wine uh, right. <laughs> uh, that knocked my socks off. Uh, it was in two thousand fifteen uh, when we visited uh, when we visited the Katsaros Estate mm. in uh, Mount Olympus. Mm. And the winemaker uh, pulled out a, a Chardonnay uh, from 2001. Mm. And uh, I mean, I can talk, uh, the meal was prepared by the winemaker's uh, mother. Uh, it was like such a beautiful homemade meal with ingredients <laughs> that, you know, yeah. from uh, and traditional recipes. Mm. I can't remember exactly what we had because we had like a lot of. We had a lot of wines, we had like a lot of food, uh but it was so unique just mm. like enjoying a a two thousand and one chardonnay mm. from Greece, a fourteen year old Chardonnay from Greece. Wow. That kind of like, you know, speak spoke to me and told me like, you know, back in twenty fifteen it was like, okay we're at a at a certain path between wine right right right, right. where we're going somewhere uh there is potential there's like serious people that are making something and they are making something unique and something important that's that has something to you know to say to the world mm. so um this two thousand and one was like Honey, it was like, it had like this <laughs> secondary, tertiary yeah. flavors. Wow, it wonderful. Was, wonderful. Uh, it, it, I, and I think it was like the last bottle that they had. <laughs> uh, and he was like, you know what, like, yeah. let's open it. Let's, right. you know, embrace like our right. friends and everything. We we're all together there uh, as part of like, you know, um, the Cava mm. um, uh wine trip. And, you know, it was like a bunch of um, sommeliers from like Montreal uh, Las Vegas and um, Montreal, Las Vegas and New Jersey, mm. and we were just like, you know exploring Greek wine all over uh, Greece, and you know that was one of the amazing highlights. Of mm. the,
0: uh, so one the one of the wonderful things is uh, you know being in a city like New York City or uh, particularly the largest cities in the United States is you can. Go to places where you can experience Greek wines. Um, you know, uh, obviously uh, with other wines of the world, and uh, obviously here uh, in Milos, here in New York City. Uh, tell us about your two locations that you have here in New York City. Uh,
1: the two locations that we have here in New York City. So we have like the 55th Street location. Okay. Right? So the 55th Street location is the second location that Milo- that Mr. Spiliadis opened uh, back uh, back in 97. So it started back in Montreal, and then in ninety seven he opened up uh, our Fifty Fifth Street location, uh, and it has been there since that time uh, continuously. Um, and uh, we opened up here in twenty nineteen. Right. Uh, the you know the food is the same. Uh, we share the same food. We we have the same like you know major Greek wines that we serve. Uh, The wine lists are pretty much like similar. Um, So it's just like, you know, it's just like, you know, two locations that are offering something like unique and Mm. they're like in the center of the world, as I like to say. We are at the center of the world. Right, right, right. Right right. right now, Hudson Yards in 2022, like Hudson Yards is the center of the world. Right, and
0: obviously a a wonderful location. Uh, I guess we could say that it's probably probably the newest architectural kind of explosion in new york city in terms of development and uh you know like you said 2019 i believe they they kind of opened up the, the big mall here and, yeah and with so a lot of the that's restaurants
1: opened up right right and
0: obviously we had the pandemic after that so things kind of quieted down slowed down and today everything's exploding again i come on here quite often uh to to meal uh, and milos as well as uh, some of the other restaurants and it's everything's back and it's crowded and the people are here
1: yeah
0: it's been New York City's back again it's vibrant it's been a very hard journey
1: Mm. uh, coming back from the pandemic Mm. it was like I don't know it was one of the most stoic experiences (laughs) in my life that I've experienced uh, that I've gone through Uh, but um, you know seeing the results of it and like you know having like a busy restaurant like pretty much every day. Right. It's been a very good result of what we've been trying to do. And right. what we've, You know, set out to do. And mm-hmm. uh, this is the, like, you know, our, uh, this is our, you know, our, uh, our idea of like, you know, getting back, getting back. Right. Right. And it uh, is back. We must say that it is back. It's packed in
0: here. People everywhere enjoying <laughs> the wine and the cuisine. Yeah. And I must say you do a wonderful job. My uh, introduction to you was uh, a few weeks ago at a uh, tasting event. And yeah. that was for some of the uh, Cypriot wines, yeah. right? Which you did speak about, you know, so, briefly, uh, so
1: Yeah, so talking about like, you know, our two locations, we can almost, we can like, you know, uh, uh, remiss to talk about the Miller's wine, <laughs> uh, wine Bar. The uh, Miller's Wine Bar was created along with Estiatorio Milos over here at Hudson Yards as the, the place to promote and showcase and highlight Greek wine. Right. Wonderful. Uh, we have like 50 Greek wines by the glass downstairs. We have 50 Greek wines down, uh, Greek wines by the glass. Mm. Um, everybody's invited to come and taste, like, you know, have like three, four different wines and um, appreciate the, the Greek wine. It is, for me, uh, one of the most beautiful things, like, you know, just coming over here and, like, you know, talking to you right, a yeah, couple bit. of weeks ago <laughs> right. and, you know, talking to you about, like, you know, this obscure Cypriot grape varieties from this, like, very small producer, mm. uh, that makes only, like, 600 bottles per, 600 balls per label, mm. uh, And then, or on the other hand, like, you know, taking guests into journeys around, like, you know, Greece, Mm -hmm. by uh, talking about the wines from the Peloponnese, to the wines from Greece, to the wines from, like, northern Greece, and the other islands, and... It's just like wonderful to kind of like, you know, think about that this concept exists mm. and you can just like, you know, travel Greece with, you know, one glass at a time. Exactly, wonderful.
0: Okay, so uh, we're going to wrap it up right now. Makes sense. And I want to say thank you so very much for taking us into a journey of Greek wine. Thank you. And a little journey of the Mediterranean. Thank
1: you. Thank you for the interest. It's uh, I have finding like uh, people who are interested to Greek wine is like, Amazing for me, uh, you know, kind of like, you know, wrapping it up through the beginning of our conversation, like back in 2013, like, you know, people were, you know, looking at me uh, as an alien. <laughs> kind of, right, right. And, now, right. and now people are like interested. In it, exactly. Right? Right, right. It intrigues them and it has like, you know, way more than just like, you know. Um, what is the difference between Chardonnay and Chardonnay? Exactly, right,
0: right. People people want to expand their palate all of the time. So, so once again, thank you so much you. and I'll see you again soon. See you soon. Please. It's been One Bottle at a Time and we're here at Estiario Milos and our guest has been Dimitri...
1: Manosakis.
0: Did not want to pronounce his name wrong. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. See you again thank soon. You. All right, bye. So high, all right. And everything is gonna be Everything is gonna be old. Right. Pour me some wine, so I can make it through this lonely night. Oh, pour me some wine, so I can tell you, I can tell you, I can tell you exactly how I feel. Pour me some wine, trying to let the whole world, I can let the whole world know the deal. Oh, oh, oh. you come see me for a night.